Welcome to Him for Her Radio. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him Prison Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. If you say what you want to say. Shugbury, and I am the host of Him For Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I want to thank you so much for submitting your topic ideas through Him For Her Facebook page or also himprisonministries.org. And today's topic has been given to me by you. Um, It's a tough topic that we're going to talk about today, but it's a hot topic. And so right now, the hot topic is... Adultery. Yep, you heard me right. The word is adultery. And what frustrates me the most is to see some dear friends of mine um, over the years, many of them come to me in frustration. Either they uh, were in a situation where they committed adultery or their spouses committed adultery, and it is a ripping of flesh. And so I thank you for tuning in because not only will this help you if you've had to experience this in your own personal relationships, but I think too, it's just good to have some forewarning or to know what to look for. And I have to tell you, we have a special guest with us today. His name is Kip Walquist, and he is the founder and president of Transforming Resources. It is a nonprofit Christian counseling and life coach ministry. And the cool thing is, is that if you donate to them at transformingresources.org, they um, will be able to use some of your donations to help people who don't have the means or the opportunities to get counseling in all sorts of areas, not just adultery. Um, They work in spiritual warfare, self-esteem, marriage, parent coaching, grief and loss, anger, anxiety. I mean, it goes on and on. And it's not just for couples. It's for singles. It's for individuals. It's for teens. The list goes on and on. So would you please do me a favor and welcome Kip Walquist. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Shug. Thank you for having me. It's a joy to be with you today. Oh, we're going to just cover this topic. 25 minutes is just not enough time. So I'm already going to ask ahead of time, maybe you'll come back with us again sometime. Absolutely. Oh, good. Well, let's get down to it, Kip. Um, The frustrating part is adultery. So for people that are married, who are in their marriages, what are some of the primary reasons why adultery even happens? Well, I've uh, been able to think about three different categories, Shug, that Mm -hmm. really influence why this happens to people. I think of the world, I think of the flesh, and I think of the devil Mm -hmm. and the influences that all three can have. When I think of the influence of the devil, I think about the the message of the scripture where it says that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and the principalities and the powers of darkness. Since marriage was created by God as an example of the Lord's relationship with the church— I think it's going to be a primary target of Satan and his demons. Mm -hmm. Just like that thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the enemy wants to rip off marriages and and does it by uh, tempting people and those lies of the evil one 
uh, people might be naive and might be innocent. Uh, those subtle temptations are real. And so I think of how uh, James reminds us that when we're tempted, we can be dragged away by our own evil desire and enticed. And then after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when that sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. And James reminds us not to be deceived, uh, but we we need to be patient and steadfast in following Jesus so that we can resist those lies of the evil one. So I think the evil one has a great deal of influence in that. And then I think the flesh and just our sin nature and how we yield to the desires of our flesh and do the things that we don't want to do and and do the things that we do, don't do the things that we should do. Mm-hmm. And so by crucifying the flesh, uh, we are able to resist those lies. Um, I just see so many couples who are struggling with marital satisfaction, dissatisfaction rather. They're disappointed, they're frustrated, they're irritated. Uh, they may have poor communication going on. They may be suffering from conflict resolution issues. Uh, there may be character issues in the relationship that have created some mistrust, a lack of openness. Uh, sometimes a spouse will find out that their their spouse is having uh, a double life of sorts hmm. where there may be secrets going on. And then sometimes there are priorities or affections that are being placed in other places rather than making the marriage primary where kids or a job or hobbies or activities, all of those things create to that marital dissatisfaction that erodes the quality of a marriage. I also think about the underlying wounds that even may have pre-existed before a couple got married. Uh, someone may be recovering from a, a, some form of abuse mm or neglect, or family of origin pain. Mm -hmm. And those problems don't just go away when we get married. We carry them like suitcases into our marriage, and and that suitcase needs to be unpacked and healed. Suitcase is a good word. I call it baggage, ladies. You know, a lot of us bring baggage into our relationships. And um, I am so thankful that you brought up the spiritual warfare that goes on um, in marriages, you know, it's it's the perfect image on earth of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit um, is our marriages. And the Holy Spirit is entwined in that, is that oneness. And this rips apart the flesh, especially when Scripture talks about that. And ladies, we are guilty. I got to say, I have been guilty over the years. I've got two grown children. It is easy for us to put our kids before our spouse. It's easy for us to put our children in such a position where we're not paying any attention to our spouses and their needs as well. Um, So, Kip, help me out here. What are some of the preventative steps that can be taken to protect a marriage from adultery? Boy, that's such an important question. Um, one of the first things that I think about is how, because the Christian life is so daily, that we need to daily put on the full armor of God that mm-hmm. Scripture talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. And if we're not wielding the sword of the Spirit, using God's Word to remind us of the truths, we will be um, more subject to those lies and those vulnerabilities. So we need to be on the alert and put on that armor of God on a daily basis. And with that, I would say, too, that's part of it, just cultivating our, our love relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And John fifteen five reminds us that Jesus is the vine and we're the branches, and we need to stay connected to the vine and be satisfied with him and in our relationship and re- being reminded that the grass uh, isn't really greener on Mm-mm. the other side of the fence. Mm-mm. 
So cultivating our relationship with Jesus is another preventative step that I think is uh, one of those daily experiences that keeps us aware and sharp so that we are not vulnerable, we stay alert. I also think of the uh, issue of establishing protective boundaries around our marriage. I know in many couples where one spouse might be traveling and in business travel, they might have uh, business dinners or social engagements with members of the opposite sex, and, and they find that somebody may be needy or they might be flirting Mm -hmm. and uh, how important it is to have healthy boundaries and guidelines for a couple to be honest with each other and to make sure that those fences are in place around their marriage and taking those practical steps to not be uh, vulnerable in those kinds of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Let me have you pause for just a minute. Um, There's a book that I read early on in our marriage, which was called Boundaries, Loving Your Marriage Enough to Protect It. And it was just one of those books that spoke to my heart in such a powerful way. It was written by Jerry B. Jenkins um, from that Left Behind series. Um, But it's Loving Your Marriage Enough to Protect It. My husband and I, just like what you said, made it a point for the rest of our marriage that we would protect and put those boundaries up about being alone with the opposite sex. Now, I know it sounds like, oh my gosh, Shug, how old-fashioned is that? Ladies, I got to tell you, this is where it comes in. You start to share intimacies with a man about your personal life or stories, conversations, etc., and boom, the enemy gets in there and snatches your heart in such a powerful way that you don't even realize you have slipped into his clutches. If you are just tuning in, this is Shug Burry host of Him For Her Radio, and I have with me our guest, Kip Walquist, and he is with Transforming Resources. I encourage you to go to their webpage, transformingresources.org, and look up all of the wonderful things that they are doing. He is a pastoral counselor and a life coach. Okay, so let me have you take it from here. We're talking about adultery. We're talking about boundaries. What else are some preventative steps you can take? One of the other really important items, I think, is to remember that marriage does take work, that it doesn't just happen automatically. Good marriages don't happen automatically. And so I'm regularly encouraging people to address the real challenges and the real problems and to not let things grow from a small symptom into a huge raging forest fire. Mm. And so uh, I've oftentimes found that women are more uh, commonly coming for counseling and coming for help. Uh, Their spouse doesn't want to join them for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I encourage the ladies to come and get help and get encouragement and get support, get counsel, get wisdom to know how they can then enfold their spouse into the counseling process. Mm -hmm. And we try to reach out to the partner as well to come in and join us in that process. Do they eventually come in? Many do. Many Mm. do. And uh, many want to come in because they want to make sure that they're getting their side of the story told as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So... But by taking the time to address those problems, by being real, knowing that each stage of marriage has its own share of challenges, that there's time, there's effort, there's solutions, getting that assistance to work on the marriage, either through counseling or coaching, seminars, workshops, talking with your pastor, Mm -hmm. so many opportunities to be able to actually sit down and work on the marriage. You know, I have when I've spoken and, and um, walked alongside friends who have been in this situation, um, usually the uh, offender, which would be the person who committed the adultery, will say, I'm not going in for counseling. All they're going to do is yell at me and tell me what a terrible person I am and how I ruined this situation. Is that the case? Absolutely not. We We know that underneath what has taken place, there usually is hurt, mm. there's pain. 
there's disappointment, there's disillusionment, there's deception. And so we offer the grace of God and try to imagine mm. what Jesus would say to that person who's the offender. And I think Jesus would many times respond by saying, you are loved, go and sin no more mm -hmm. and find that healing path. And so to be able to come alongside and to seek healing for those unhealed wounds is a very, very primary. So you find often that adultery isn't necessarily what it looks like on the surface, but there's something much deeper going on in there. Oftentimes it is that symptom mm -hmm. of a deeper wound. Mm. Now, like I mentioned before, there may be wounds that predated the marriage that never had a chance to be healed, uh, like a root that was not pulled out. It then grew into a weed that took over a very healthy garden. You know, I don't find it any surprise that in Scripture, um, it says very clearly regarding sexual sin. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual sin, if you're looking at the NLT version. Or NIV says, flee from sexual immorality. All sins outside of the body, whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And that's the difficulty about all of this, is that in Scripture it says, stand firm, stand firm on so many references. But when it comes to sexual immorality, it says to flee. What are some preventative steps? You've, you've talked about the, the boundaries, being protective, setting those up, that there, some of them are are more deep-rooted. Is there anything else that you can share with us that would help prevent this? Yeah, a couple of thoughts. One is, I think it's really important that we are accountable to one another. And I think spouses can be accountable to each other by being honest, mm -hmm. by being brutally honest and talking about their struggles or their concerns or their fears, uh, being able to share with a friend, finding a counselor, a pastor, being accountable makes uh, it helps us to ensure that we're not alone. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not going to be isolated. We're not going to be struggling and to know that many, many other people have suffered and struggled as well. And by being accountable, we're uh, helping to expose the darkness so the light of truth can help keep us from being uh, deceived in our vulnerability. The other encouragement that I give to couples is to make sure that they're spending time with other godly couples. Good friends who have their backs, who will support each other, who will encourage each other, who will pray for each other so that they know that there's fellowship. And the old uh, scripture reference that talks about bad company, corrupting good morals. If you hang around with people who are not on the same page and have the same values as you do, then it's going to be really tough to be able to uh, have the kind of relationship and fellowship that you desire and need. So spending time with other godly couples is a real strong encouragement that I mm -hmm. provide. Mm -hmm. And But how do they go about doing that if they don't go to a Christian church or if they're not around them? Do you have suggestions for them on how to get connected? Sometimes what I'll encourage people to do is to, if they don't have a, a current church, is that they ask a friend who might know of a church mm -hmm. and that they can explore some uh, opportunities through uh, a friend. Uh, sometimes there are conferences or seminars, workshops that are advertised either on the radio or in the newspaper or mm -hmm. other social medias. Um, there are ways that uh, people are able to get connected and finding fellowship with even sometimes it just takes one person, mm -hmm. one friend, one phone number, one email that can open up a door to find that, that connection to be encouraged. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always say go to the throne before you go to the phone, ladies. 
Um, you know, if you're finding that you're struggling this uh, in this area or you need um, a, a Christian friend, my encouragement is get out there, hit the bricks, and find yourself a rockin' church. Not just a church that bores you or maybe one that doesn't speak to you. I want you to find a church that speaks to your heart that's a Bible-preaching church that's um, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ on a regular basis. And ladies, pray. I mean, that's really where this starts. Pray. Ask God to help you in this situation, whether you be the one who was involved in that adulterous affair or perhaps you um, have been offended by your spouse in this area. Um, Maybe it's not even happening yet, but you feel like it's creeping in. I really encourage you, get on your knees. Ask Jesus, help me in this area. If you're just tuning in, uh, today's women's hot topic is on adultery. You heard me, adultery. It's a tough conversation, but we need to hang it out there. We need to talk about it. I'm with my guest, Kip Walquist, pastoral counselor and life coach with transformingresources.org. And ladies, I am sitting across from him, and there's just something about his way that makes you feel so relaxed that you just want to share that you just want to be open. So I would encourage you, if you're struggling in this area, to give him a call and, and have the opportunity to talk with him about your situation. So Kip, thank you very much. I have another question. In fact, I could go on and on. But what are some of the steps that can be taken to recover from adultery? Well, it's so important, Shug, I think, to be able to seek help to understand that affair, that adulterous experience, and to be able to heal from it. Mm-hmm. I think, the, like we mentioned before, it can be a symptom of a deeper issue. And I think in order to make sure that it's never repeated again, that the help that's needed to peel back the layers and expose what the core is and what the roots are so that healing can come, I think, is really, really important. Uh, secondly, I think to be able to, like I mentioned earlier, submitting to the Lordship of Christ on a daily basis and not listening or giving in to the temptations of the world where scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, James 4, 7. Amen. Then I think one of the other uh, important recovery steps is the forgiveness process. Uh, There's the process of experiencing God's forgiveness, the process of uh, forgiving the person who was involved, the process of self-forgiveness, and it, and really, I never rush people to the altar of forgiveness because it takes time, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a process. But that's such a critical part of the journey of healing so that you can truly move forward. The other part I think is important is to be honest, to be honest with God and with ourself and with our spouse, that after the adultery has been revealed, that, that new steps are taken to create a new normal in our relationship with our with our God and with ourself and with our spouse so that uh, the experiences that have uh, transpired will never repeat themselves and that new normal of honesty prevails. Mm-hmm. I like that, a new normal, because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, we'll just go back to the way we were when we first got married. But that's not the case with any experience. You know, the bumps in the road, the challenges, the spiritual warfare, um, 
Um, do you find that this takes a long time for people to get into this new normal? It does. And depending on how long people have been married and what kind of baggage they are carrying, um, I know many people who will take weeks, months, sometimes a year or two even mm -hmm. to cultivate what that new normal looks like because there's so many different layers and lenses through which we can look at that relationship and the dynamics. And that speaks you know, specifically to the other spouse that um, is suffering from this, um, that they shouldn't jump ship right away. Um, what encouragement do you have for that listener? One day at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell people regularly that every day is a new day and you never know what God is going to do and that that might be the day that a breakthrough happens, mm. that the healing happens. And that until Dr. Jesus says it's time <laughs> to do something different, we hang on, trust in him, don't lean on our own understanding, and he will make our path straight. Mm, amen. You know, if you're a friend of someone who's experienced this, this is godly wisdom. To encourage them to hang on, to encourage them to take one day at a time. You had talked about um, different lengths of time in marriages. Do you find that there is a traditional time? I mean, you know how you hear about the seven-year itch in a marriage? Is there anything that you see um, more of a pattern in? Um, that's a great question. I, I do see sometimes couples who have used, uh, have had baggage and they've brought it into their marriage that, that about the five to seven year mark is when their coping mechanisms and their patterns and what has worked for them no longer works. Mm -hmm. And then they become more vulnerable and frustrated and dissatisfied. And that's where sometimes I will begin to see some of those symptoms appearing that will make them more vulnerable for an adulterous affair. Uh, but, you know, there are so many stressors throughout life. I think we can be vulnerable uh, at any point in time, whether it's because of a job change or a relocation or a chronic illness or the loss of a loved one, uh, sometimes an experience of going through some depression or anxiety. People choose to medicate their pain in a variety of ways, this being one of them. Mm. So I think at any stage of marriage, it's very possible. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. If you're just tuning in, this is Shugbury, Him for Her Radio, and I am with Kip Walquist, who is the founder and president of Transforming Resources. I encourage you to donate. Go to their website, donate, and that allows people who don't have the resources to be able to get counseling as well. Um, he is a nonprofit organization. You don't hear about that very much when it comes to um, counseling. And I would really encourage you, if you're struggling in this area, and not just this area, they cover a gamut of areas um, that you would give them a call, sit down, and allow God to heal you in the different areas that you're struggling in. Um, Kip, do you have any last few words for the people that are listening who have struggled in this area? Well, one thing I would say is reach out and talk to somebody. Don't let yourself stay alone or be alone because that's where we're very vulnerable to the lies and deceptions of the evil one. So I encourage people to reach out, ask for help. You can give me a call. I'm glad to speak with you on the phone to help direct your steps to what might make the most sense to get help and what that could look like. What would that phone number be? It's 952 884 Five eight zero three. Can and you I'm repeat it one more time? Nine five two, eight eight four, five eight zero three. And I'm at extension eleven. Mm, thank you so much, Kep. And really, to me, as you know, um, when you get right down to it, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that does this in our lives. 
you know, we can sit and we can share and all of that is important. But most of all, we need to realize that we have a Lord who loves us so. And he tells us to run from sexual sin. He gives us in his word counseling as to what we should do. And in 1 Corinthians 6, he talks about two will become one flesh. And when you ask the Lord to come into your life, he comes into your marriage. And other people have asked me, Suge, you know, what, what would you say? My husband and I, we've been together over 40 years. God bless. Thank you, Jesus. He's a patient man. But, you know, oftentimes people will say, what, what do you have for advice for us? And I am no counselor, but I have to tell you, think of it like a triangle. If you're to put your fingers together to make a triangle and your name is on one side of the triangle, your husband's name is on the other tri- side of the triangle, and God is at the top. And the closer you come to the Lord, the closer you come together. So I would encourage you not only to pray for yourself, but pray for your spouse. Pray for him or her to come to the Lord. Pray for them to uh, realize that God has brought you two together for a time such as this. And so I'm encouraging you in a simple prayer, the way you first invite Christ into your heart is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask you come into my life. Help me, lead me. And be with me for the rest of my days. I believe you died for my sins and you rose again victoriously. And so now in Christ would my marriage be victorious. Thank you so much to Kip Walquist with Transforming Resources for joining us today. Ladies, until next time, over and out.